The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You're now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I've got Dr. Michael Turner. Uh, He's a medical doctor, so he's got MD behind his name, which is really cool because his mom was a hippie. So he knows both sides of everything. We're going to get into all that. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show all over the world and helping us, again, continue to become one of the fastest natural-growing health podcasts in the world, which is very humbling. It's exciting to me, and that's why I work so hard to find people like Michael to come on the show. So today, we're going to be talking about um, a couple things that are you know, always in topic here, which is anti-aging solutions and stuff like that. And He's got some, you know, some, some stuff that we've heard before, but some new stuff as well. And again, we want you to get just one thing out of this podcast that you can take actionable steps on and start getting results in your own life. That's the whole deal. We're also going to be uh, discussing um, post-COVID solutions because Michael's deep into that. He's actually leading one of the largest online groups of uh, you know uh, post-COVID sufferers that are having this long-haul symptoms, and he's got a really good stack there. Um, and that's something that's really interesting to me because I know so many people got vaccinated got the jab that um, there's going to be a just a buttload of people having long-term side effects to these things. So we're going to over here at Chemical Free Body, we're actually thinking about, you know, creating a specialized formula for this situation. So Michael's actually part of our discovery period. So, hey, Michael, thank you for being here today, brother. How are you doing? Oh, thank you so much, Tim. Uh, really glad to be here. Truly. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. And and for those of you that are listening, you can't see us. Michael's actually a healthy guy. His skin actually looks pretty darn good. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to find people, Michael, like on my show that are just not like saying something, oh, try this or do that or go do that, but they're actually living yeah. it. And I can see in a nanosecond whether people are, are healthy or not um, from, from just looking at their skin because the skin is a reflection of their gut, right? It really is. And yeah. for, for the ladies out there, if you want beautiful skin, look inward, like literally everything's inward, eh? spiritual, everything's an inward journey, your health. It's it, solutions. Yeah, you can go find stuff like that, but it's also going all always going to start from the inside. So, Michael, let's go back to your your story because it's really cool. Um, you didn't you didn't start out a medical doctor when you were born. Um, you were a baby. <laughs> and tell us about where you grew up, and tell us about your mom because it was a really cool story. Yeah, it's interesting story. Uh, my mom was a hippie in many respects. She went to Cal Berkeley right there in the late '60s. Was a part of protests. Saw Dr. Martin Luther King speak all of that. I worked in the natural food store. And so when I grew up, she had some really strong ideas towards health and wellness and a naturalistic emphasis. For example, no minimal to no sugar in the house. We never really had desserts. I couldn't have sugary treats. There's this famous family store when I was five years old. I was walking down the grocery store and I looked around and I purposely got lost and I headed over to the Twinkies area because I was just obsessed <laughs> with a Twinkie. You know, I could never have a Twinkie, but other kids at school had Twinkies in their lunch. I would have, you know, grapes or something, right? Yeah. And so I got loose in the Twinkie aisle and started stuffing my face with Twinkies. My mom comes around the corner. <laughs> oh, like, no. oh, yeah. What's uh -oh. going on? You know, caught red handed. I had to go apologize to the store manager, et cetera. Right. But yeah, I, I, I had it. <laughs> I had a complex 
about not getting some of this junky stuff that, you know, every young kid wants to have, right? Uh, another example would be uh, sugar cereal. We couldn't really have sugar cereal. So I go to my grandparents' house twice a year. Grandpa loved Frosted Flakes. So the first thing I do is like, I hug grandma, I wave hi to grandpa, I head right to the cupboard, I pour myself a big bowl of Frosted Flakes, you know, twice a year, uh, visiting yeah. grandma and grandpa. So yeah, mom gave me a free pass on that side. Um, but you know, she minimized TV, video games came out, she didn't allow me to have one, you know, Nintendos were all the rage right around then. Everyone else had a Nintendo and was living it up, playing Nintendo and I didn't get one. Uh, we would, a lot of emphasis on reading. So I would sit around the evenings and read with my mom you know, in the living room. Um, she would read bedtime stories to me or my stepfather would pretty much every night, that kind of thing. So it was a pretty healthy, stable environment. I did grow up seeing the doctor here and there, but never had major health concerns, a little bit of childhood asthma. Yeah. Um, the final piece there in my health journey was actually my high school sophomore health class, which turned out to be a real pivotal moment for me. Um, I was always a healthy kid uh, or rather more of an athletic kid, but I had some bad eating habits. Uh, and I wasn't necessarily putting in, you know, consistent exercise. I was playing sports, but not really exercising myself. And in health class, it was eye-opening because I'll never forget one day they had us write down everything we ate in a day and all the ingredients, right? And so I go, oh, look, I just had a Snickers bar at lunch. Okay, let me write that down. Oh, look at all the saturated fat in this thing. Look at all these preservatives. What is this stuff, you know? Oh, my chocolate milk, that thing's got 12 grams of sugar in it. My goodness, I've been drinking two of those a day, right? So mm -hmm. just in one day of me and my high school life, writing down all these ingredients, it spooked me to a degree. At the same time, I was <clears throat> being fascinated by the human body. Let's say your heart. To me, your heart, it's, it's, it's tremendously, uh, it, it's a wonder, really, because it's, it's your silent companion. It's there in the background. It's the definition of maintaining life, in a sense, right? If your heart were to falter for even a minute, sudden cardiac arrest, and you're on your way out. So it's, it's there, and you don't have to think about it. It's your silent servant in the background, just beating away faithfully, lub-dub, lub-lub, day-night. Your brain doesn't have to remember, you know, hey, keep, keep beating heart. I don't want to fall asleep because I don't want you to stop working. You have an embryonic heart that forms about 28 days after conception and begins to circulate body around the developing embryo. But my point is that uh, that's fascinating. It's a wonder. You know, you have this chamber that has its own electrical system. It's got valves, it's got muscles, and its job is to circulate blood, which, you know, enables you to be alive any given moment. And so when I learned about that in high school and continuing onward, the basic question was, that's amazing. Am I doing a good job taking care of my heart? Like, what should I be doing? Add a basic sense of gratitude and appreciation, respect for what this is. And is there a way to, you know, preserve it, optimize it, et cetera. So I started to ask some health promotion and wellness type concepts uh, of myself and basically started running and eating clean and lifting weights and doing a bunch of things as a teenager outside of just playing sports towards health and wellness, start taking vitamins, supplements. And then I carried onward uh, to where we are at the present time. And basically I'm hung up on the question of what would it feel like to be as healthy as I could possibly be? That's the question. I ask myself that all the time and I'm basically an overachiever by nature. So my job is to be as healthy as I could possibly be. And I wonder what would that feel like? You know, what return on investment would that have for me mentally, physically, socially, if I were to get to that state? And if I'm not there, how do I get there? So that's yeah. Well, that's really cool because uh, you have you've put it into a question, but that's exactly what I, that's my life. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, how healthy can I get is the mm -hmm. question that I've been asking mm -hmm. myself. What else mm -hmm. do I not know that I need to know? Mm -hmm. So that's like 
for me, because then I can lead by example, because then once I have first person experience, then I can literally go to other people and say, hey, look, this is what I, I just did this. And this is this worked. This worked for me. I don't know if it'll work for you, but it worked for me. And this is what happened. You should try it. And then if they try it and it's like it works for them, it's like awesome. Right. And just keep stacking those things and stacking those things and keep learning and learning. And basically just trying to get back to what we would have been doing in nature normally, you know, moving your bodies, looking for food, getting out and free, getting fresh air, fresh, sun, you know, sunshine, clean yeah. water, clean food, all this stuff. And basically just returning to nature. I did want to say something, though, that I thought. So two things. Number one, uh, just to go back a little bit. It seems yeah. like that mo that moment in high school was a pretty pivotal moment for you when you wrote down what you ate in a day and what all the actual ingredients were. So I think that's actually a really good exercise for the health heroes listening today. Um, we actually have um, in our, in our coaching program, we have a pro, uh, a thing called uh, design your day, design your life. And it basically starts at like 5am or whatever. You could modify it to 11 o'clock at night and you go through and you, you put like what time that you start getting ready to go to bed, you know, actually, cause your day starts the night before what's your nighttime, your bedtime routine. And mm -hmm. then what time do you wake up? What's the first thing you do? And you just go through the day and it and measures it all out. And it kind of just makes it, you can quantify it. And then you can see where you're at. And then you can start slowly shifting that to get that environment, that habits down. So the same thing, I really like it where you actually write out what you're eating. So we do this in our, our health, we call them health histories. We do an intake form and people actually fill out their diet for the day. Mm -hmm. But yours is a little, what you, they had you do is like get into the ingredients and actually write everything out. And I think that's important. Uh, for those listening, you can't see my shirt, but it's, my shirt says ingredients matter. And they do. What you're eating is very important. You don't put gasoline into a gasoline car that has water in it and expect that watered down gasoline to run well in that engine because it's made for gasoline, not water. Your body is made with certain things. And if it's, you know, AKA watered down with chemicals and toxins and super sugars, which brings me to my other question, which was this, or a, just a point to reflect on. Here's Michael growing up with his, with his um, very naturalistic mother, who was very smart to keep you away from sugar and very smart to um, keep you away from video games, especially at a young age. Because I read some, some, some studies and stuff that kids that are on video games before 11 are pretty much mentally destroyed like mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives. And not, not that anything can't be corrected, but it's like it makes it very difficult. And I remember getting so mad at that the Nintendo. I became like fanatical about it. My mom and dad had to rip me away from that thing. Um, and I was about 11, I think, when those things came out. And that was like a big thing for them to get that for me financially because we didn't really have a lot of money either. But um, I got sucked into that stuff. But think about this guy. He hasn't doesn't eat sugar, but from societal programming, societal conditioning, maybe even societal pressure from seeing the other kids with the Twinkies, he went bananas, like literally, and it was like stuffing Twinkies down his throat in the, and it's like, there's programming there. And then when you go to your grandpa's house and you'd run, to, I mean, dude, we have such similar stories because my grandpa and grandma, I mean, when they were coming, they would come every summer from South Dakota, they drive out to Oregon, they'd be coming in their van. I'm like, yeah, they're here. And I was really excited about seeing them. I'd hug them. But then the first thing I do, my grandpa had a little bucket full of candy underneath his seat. And it was like, we didn't have, I didn't have buckets of candy. And it was always like these cool candies that you'd never seen before, you know, because he got them right. somewhere else. And right. I would go right to that freaking, that sugar. Dude, this is how addictive this shit is. 
And right, mm-hmm. most of my listeners know that you know the sugar molecule is very close to the cocaine molecule. In fact, it's uh, I mean they look very similar, and we know that sugar is three times more addictive than cocaine, right? Yes. So anyway, I just thought that that really that really illustrates some really good points about how addictive these sugars are and these super sugars like high fructose corn syrup today. And if you're listening yes. and you have if you have parent uh, kids or grandchildren, you know find some better solutions. You know, get them a clump of grapes. That would be a make sure it's not genetically modified and sprayed with, you know, uh, you know, crap and pesticides. If you're going to give them some a treat, give them something that's that's natural. It's going to be do much better in their body. And you're not going to turn them into junkies like me and Michael. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> we were like we were we were like we were like sugar junkies. All right, man. So I thought that was it. Was there anything else that you'd want to share about your, your childhood growing up or anything, your teens wow. or parents, any funny stories? We're talking about uh, my experience in medical school with health and wellness. Uh, people looked at me a little bit different because I had this emphasis in naturalistic methods. You know, I was taking vitamins. I had a little Ziploc bag of vitamins that I tuck in my scrub pockets, take two, three times a day. I was going to hot yoga classes, you know, making smoothies, going to organic sections of the store to buy food, this kind of thing. But I never saw any conflict in it. I always thought that my job was to be a health provider and to integrate and pull together the best options for an individual from whatever stream that might be. And I also had a strong emphasis on prevention and wellness, right? And I'll just share this because this is pretty eye-opening for me. The dominant metaphor, if we think about health and healing, let's talk about the metaphors that traditionally providers have used. So in medical school, the dominant metaphor came out of the industrial revolution and it was a machine. So the metaphor is your body's a machine. It can break down at times. We have to fix it, throw in some new gears, give it some lube, you know, adjust the, the wiring, et cetera. And then we patch up this machine and we help this machine work better. Leading to, as you can imagine, a pretty interventionist concept. But prior to the industrial revolution, what was the dominant metaphor for health and healing? This is my question, okay? And the answer is a garden. A garden was the dominant metaphor. This goes back to like the Greeks, where the idea was the human being is like a plant. And if you just give it the right conditions, it can be fruitful and grow. You don't have to intervene so much. It has within it innate capability and intelligence to live optimally if you give it the right circumstances. And that's a very different mindset, obviously. And And where'd you go to school at? I went to school at Harvard Medical School. And then you went to the Mayo Clinic, correct? I went to the Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota. And so it was more of the body as a machine. And I, I mean, I can, I can understand that because I look at things like the body as a system. It, mm-hmm. it literally is. It's, it, it is a business. It is a machine, but it's also nature. It's nature's mm-hmm. business. It's nature's machine, right? Mm-hmm. So the garden metaphor makes more sense. So when you were going through medical school, did you have this, I mean, you have this learning and this thing that you know that works in your own life and it, it resonates with you, but then you're being taught this. Did, was there, did you see the conflict there? And how did you continue to stick with medical school and go through that with that conflict? Yeah. If there was I one, saw, I don't know. Great question. <clears throat> I didn't see so much a conflict, although I can talk about that slightly. I did, but not so much. I would see it more just as omission. Okay. So let's, you mentioned the idea of statins before when we were talking, kind of just chit-chatting a little earlier, right? Medical school will come out and say, here's, here are statins, here's LDL cholesterol, here's research that it shows you how and why this is helpful. They will not talk about red yeast rice extract, as you mentioned. 
right? There's, it's, it's, it's a just, there's a glaring omission over here about other alternatives that aren't pharmaceuticals. It's not like they're openly antagonistic, but they're just myopic, let's just say. Now, mm -hmm. the, the one caveat is in that over-focus on some of these surgeries or pharmaceuticals to think that they're the ultimate healing methods, in that over-focus, doctors can choose to be humble and open-minded and continue to learn that there are natural options that do the same thing and sometimes better right? Or become arrogant and dismissive. And too often they cross over into that boundary, right? So the patient might come and say, hey, doc, um, I'm not really keen on being on the stat. And I've heard some things this might not be good for your brain and, you know, muscle pain and stuff. Can I get off this? Can I try some red yeast extract? What do you think? Right? Instead of the doctor being humble and honest and saying, well, I don't have experience with that. You know, perhaps, you know, do you have an article you want to share with me? Let's read about it. Let's talk about it. They might be tempted to say something just dismissive and offhand, like, you know, that's nonsense, garbage, you know, et cetera. And, and sort of think that their little island is the only uh, mm -hmm. ultimate place to, to view the world from, right? So that, that, in that sense, there is a conflict sometimes in the mindset. Okay, got it. Cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to get into, um, let's just get into some of these uh, post-COVID solutions that you're dealing with for people that have long-haul COVID. We'll be yeah. right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body Turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution helps against inflammation and pain. Turmeric 100 is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% organic, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, health heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Michael Turner. Uh, we just went through his childhood, and thank God for us, um, his mom was really into natural stuff. He was able to make it through medical school at Harvard, went to the Mayo Clinic, and um, he now has his own uh, practice. You're doing functional medicine, so it's kind of the, you're trying to make the best of both worlds. You're bringing the natural together with um, some pharma stuff. And I know a lot of the listeners here, and I'll just, I'll say this because I think, I, I know because I talked um, pre-podcast um, recording with Michael, that some of his solutions do have some medical, like pharmaceutical stuff in there, which is fine. And uh, the thing for me is like in the most solicitors, we're, we're, we're really looking for natural stuff. Like we want to know what's the natural stuff that we can stack together to work because our bodies are nature. But I have always said there is a time and place for conventional medicine. If there's something, um, I mean, I just had to do it with, with, with my cat. My cat got in a fight. And it, he got ripped up his side of his ears his, by his head, his front arm and his back leg got bit deep and there was an infection in there. And, and, um, I was like, Oh, I'll just use, you know, cause he gets in fights all the time. He does. But that back leg got real deep and I didn't, I wasn't able to, to tend to it up front because I mean, he gets in fights all the times and I'm always like putting silver gel on him and, and, it, but this was like pretty advanced stuff. Right. So right. it was so deep. If I would have known it was that bad in, in the get-go, I would have shaved his leg and I would have been, I would have gotten garlic oil deep down into that deal and seen if, and that probably would have handled it. But since I didn't, it kind of set in there and um, eventually I had to use a round of antibiotics to knock it out just because, mm. you know, and that's it. And then what was I doing? I was feeding the cat kefir the whole time, right? To start right. building back his gut microbiome. And I actually talked to the doctor and, and he was open-minded and he's like, I asked him about turmeric and he goes, well, I don't know. So he went and checked. He's like, yeah, you can actually give your kitty uh, 550 to 100 milligrams of turmeric a day. I'm like, okay, sweet. So I'll do the conversion on turmeric 100, which is one of our products. And 
just a couple drops and good to go. And cat's doing fine. So with that said, a lot of the stuff that my, Michael's coming from both ends. And if, if you stack all the natural stuff, maybe some of the stuff he's going to share with you with the pharmaceutical stuff, you just might have to use it. Cause the bottom line is like, I don't, at the end of the day, I just want people to wake up and feel good. I want them to move forward. I want their brains to be working and I want them to grow. And then we have other, as long as you're living a nice, healthy lifestyle afterwards, you can, you can chelate and get a lot of that other stuff in there out of you that you might've had to use for that. All right. So let's go back. Cause you're, you're actually leading a very large group of people online. One of the largest online groups with the uh, long haul post COVID symptoms. Yes. And um, why don't you just go through these sections? Let's talk about the spike proteins and let's talk about the inflammation. And, and, and first off, let's talk about what are you seeing? What are the, what are people's problems? Let's go through the top three, four, five, six. What, what are the common issues that you're seeing people with um, that have either had COVID or post-vaccination? Sure. Absolutely. So top of mind would be brain fog, a sense that their mind is not as sharp as it was before. They're having trouble remembering things. They're having trouble putting words together. They're struggling to get presentations at work. They just don't feel crisp. We'll call it brain fog. Seen that. Yep. Next up would be low energy levels. Okay. Like a chronic fatigue state or someone saying, I did the littlest bit of exercise and it took me two days to recover. Something like that. We call that post-exertional malaise, essentially over-exuberant you know, downtime after what would previously have been a regular form of exertion. So energy problems, huge. The other one would be heart and blood pressure fluctuations and irregularities. So these are people would say, for no reason, my heart rate will just shoot up to 180. I'll be sitting there and it'll come back down. or I'll get these sharp stabbing pains in my chest. I feel like something's wrong. I go to the ER, they check me out. They tell me my heart's fine. I check my blood pressure, it shoots up really high, or it's been persistently high ever since I got COVID, it won't come down. So cardiovascular anomalies that aren't traditionally being explained by most existing cardiology tests. That'd be the- Actually, I've seen that with my my mom. My mom, um, she like, like her blood pressure just whoop. I can see it in her face. Like, I'm like, <laughs> we need to take your blood pressure. And then like, she'll be like 202 over 85, mm. like that. And it's almost like I need to get you in the car and go to the emergency room, but I already know what they're going to do, but we know we got to keep her alive. And then it'll come back down. You know, yeah. I just breathe. Let's turn off the TV, you know, and that yeah. kind of stuff. All right. So brain fog. I've, I've seen that low energy, totally seen that heart and blood pressure uh, fluctuation. Um, those are top three. Is there another one? Anything else you're seeing? Those are top. Yeah, those are top. Uh, there are other things, sometimes persistent rashes, sometimes people with neurologic symptoms like tingling, numbness, uh, some burning pains, typically in their hands or feet. Uh, post-COVID erectile dysfunction is definitely a concept. So you know, there's some other associated, fairly common symptoms. Yeah, actually, I saw that on your um, on your sheet. That was like you said, uh, post-COVID erectile dysfunction. I know ED erectile dysfunction is it's kind of massive because it's I can't believe it. But years ago, I I read it. It was like 50% of males over 40 are experiencing it at some level. And I'm like, what? So what's what's going on with erectile dysfunction with guys? Well, great question. Overall, we should understand, first of all, that the average testosterone level in men has been declining steadily. For example, they've done some cross-sectional studies that date back only to the late 80s, which is not ancient history by any means. But in these studies, since the late 80s, the average male testosterone level is down 30%. That's pretty striking. We have to so- ask the question. 
question. Yeah. So uh, is that is that a natural progression of evolution, or is this another example of de-evolution of our species? And and why? Why? What's what? What have you seen? What do you think is causing it? Yeah, that time frame is way too short to be a part of evolution. I would have to say that it's something environmental. Exactly. Right? Something environmental. I mean, we know about these, you know, bisphenol A and these so-called endocrine disrupting chemicals that are present in the water system. You know, we started seeing frogs with ambiguous genitalia in streams and ponds. You know, that started hitting the news maybe 10, 15 right. years ago, right? So we know that there are toxins out there that are so-called endocrine disruptors uh, present yeah. sometimes in the fibers of certain types of clothing you know, in many different places. So that's, that's definitely part of it. I'm sure. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. We educate people on that all the time. It's, you know, if you're the bottom line is that you have all these, like these things that are throwing off your hormones, uh, these microplastics and stuff and chemicals like the, these estrogen mimickers, BPA, yep. BPB, BPC, BPD, there's like 36 of them. Right. So I've seen it, dude. Like I remember last summer I went down to the river to meditate and just chill out. And I looked over and there was this kid. He was probably like, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, 11 or 12, something like that. And mm -hmm. he literally had women's breasts. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm like doing a double take. I'm like, wait a minute. That's a ki kid. What? What? You know? And I'm like, and I was like really like feeling a lot of compassion for him. And then, yeah. so like when I was growing up, man, like all the mm -hmm. girls were like skinny and flat chested. And they grew, t they grew taller in the guys first because they grow women a little bit ahead right. of men on exactly. that deal. Right. Kids are all skinny. One kid was overweight and in the class. That was it. And now it's like 50 plus percent are overweight. These young girls are, are developing breasts and they're, they're becoming like curvy, young, and mm -hmm. young men are getting breasts. I mean, mm -hmm. so we've got some major problems. And you're right. It's, it is environmental. And you actually brought up something that mo very few people talk about which is endocrine disrupting clothing, mm -hmm. like clothing. People don't realize that if your shirt, your underwear, your bra is not made of a natural fiber from nature, it is off-gassing directly into your system. And even after a thousand washes, 97% of those chemicals are still off-gassing. They never stop. They're very persistent. And then you wash your shirt, this polyester shirt, right? Or your Lycra bra that's off-gassing in a very high hormonal area. And then those microplastics come off of it and they go where? They go out into either into a waste treatment plant if you're in town or they go into your uh, your sewer, um, your your septic tank if you live out in the property country like I do. And eventually, where do they end up? In nature. So it's in the air, it's in the water, it's pervasive nowadays. So this is some of the reasons that, um, I mean, we're kind of getting off topic and stuff, but why, why we're seeing... Um, like the the like you're saying erectile dysfunction is happening because it's like the it's like we're de-evolving as men our testosterone levels are coming down estrogens sure. are going up and it's in and it's environmental because like you said from the 80s that's way too short of a time because evolution's like hundreds of thousands of years just to make little changes right so this shit ha shouldn't be happening that quick in the 80s nor does it even make sense it makes no sense. It would be like, we should be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And people used to be super strong. I mean, we'd come across here in right. covered wagons, pushing wagons across this place. And women are popping babies out in the back of a wagon in the middle of nowhere. Right. People yeah. were tough. You put most right. people in that situation today, they're going to crumble. It's I like, agree. Where's my video game? <laughs> it's like True. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel a lot of compassion as well for these kids in, in this situation. You know, I might see someone, as you mentioned, and 
part of it as well is obesity because that plays into endocrine status, especially in men. All right. So in men, let's ask the question, where do we get estrogen from? Okay. Predominantly, we don't produce estrogen directly. We produce testosterone. And then your body siphons off a portion of it using an enzyme called aromatase. And it creates estrogen from that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Now, part of that is genetics. Some young men will have higher or level, lower levels of aromatase activity equating to higher or lower levels of estrogen. But this is also where obesity plays a role because the aromatase enzyme is very overrepresented in fat. So as you get fatter, you have more aromatase. As you have more aromatase, your T goes down and your estrogen goes up all the time, 100% of the time. So if you have an obese kid, you by definition have an estrogenic kid. Yeah, that makes sense. Or adult for that matter. Yeah. All right. So, so what do you think it is in the COVID shot or the, the COVID itself that's creating this erectile dysfunction for men? Yes. The answer is the spike protein and the way that it damages the lining of your blood vessels, AKA the endothelium. Okay. That's the answer. So the spike protein, as everyone should be familiar with that. If you're not look that up COVID spike protein, it's essentially these little grappling hooks that sit on the edge of the COVID virus, the COVID virus being a, an orb. And then pictures of it, you'll always see these little hook type molecules hanging off the edge. That's the so-called spike protein. This is the way that COVID gains entry to your body. The spike protein binds to something called the ACE2 receptor, and then it worms its way into your cell. The short story is this spike protein is very noxious. It's very toxic to your body. Your body recognizes it as foreign and mounts a strong immune response against it. I want your listeners to think of a splinter, okay? When you have a splinter in your finger, that infl that's inflammation that you're seeing, that redness, that swelling. Your immune system is attracted to that area. It's sending in certain immune cells that are literally dissolving the wood particles. It recognizes it as foreign and is dissolving it and mounting a response. And unfortunately, there's a little bit of collateral tissue damage, which is why there's some pain swelling. But eventually that will resolve. Now, understand that the spike protein is immediately recognized and treated like a splinter from your immune system's viewpoint. So you've got these microscopic splinters scattering everywhere now in your body, but let's begin with in the blood vessels. And as soon as they hit the wall, the blood vessel, they attract the immune response. So you've got multiple foci of inflammation going on, and we would call that endothelial damage. Big, big deal. Well, this will predominantly affect the smaller blood vessels, right? Like you're not going to notice necessarily that you, you know, in your aorta or some huge blood vessels that you've got this inflammation in the lining and you're going to be symptomatic. No, but in smaller blood vessels, such as in the penile tissue, Absolutely. Inflammation and drop of blood flow will be noticed. And the thing with the spike protein, it not only creates inflammation and damage to the endothelium, but it also promotes what we call aggregation of the platelets or activation of the platelets. So the platelets are there to help create a blood clot. This is vital. This is part of staying alive, right? If you get right. a cut, you don't want to bleed out. You need the platelets to activate and create a clot. However, they, they should not activate other than in the proper circumstances. And the problem is the spike protein promotes platelet aggregation all on its own. So it damages the lining of the blood vessels and promotes platelet aggregation and clot formation. And in that sense, uh, a lot of cardiovascular problems, especially with the smaller vessels. And, we, and we've seen a lot of that too. I've many stories, uh, people I've talked to, uh, clients just, you know, that I've chatted because I still do customer service calls uh, from time to time because I love connecting with people. And we're hearing a lot of stories of, uh, like literally a lot of uh, younger people, um, you know, having heart attacks, dropping dead there's um, and blood clotting and stuff like yeah. that. So the clotting is actually making sense now because of the plate aggregation. Yes. All right. So, all right. So you're seeing 
brain fog, low energy, heart and blood pressure uh, fluctuations, rashes, tingling, uh, numbness, and you're seeing erectile dysfunction, and you're also seeing blood clots and stuff like that. So let's go through some of the – let's talk about some of the solutions um, and what, what, what is your protocols for people for uh, the long-haul COVID symptoms and I would say the clotting is it would probably be a separate topic and maybe there's a little bit different um, solution for that. Sure. Well, the first thing is to help your body bind and clear the spike protein. That is job number one. As long as the spike protein's present, it's going to cause all the problems we just mentioned. Thankfully, your body does have a natural rate of clearing it, but we want to accelerate that, obviously. So the first thing I do is help people bind and clear the spike protein. Now, there are defined, scientifically defined, natural substances that are known to bind spike protein. And this is where I start with patients. For example, vitamin C, absolutely, binds spike protein. Quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N, if your listeners aren't familiar with that, binds spike protein. NAC, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, binds spike protein. Certain strains of CBD oil bind spike protein. Let's talk about that. Okay. What, what, what strains? I'm, I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I know that there's some research, I believe it's done in Oregon State, actually, where they uh, reported the certain strains in vitro testing were showing activity with binding the spike protein. But I'd have to do, I'd have to drill down that a little further. I don't know if it's okay. indica or what, you know, exactly where. Great. Now I have more homework. <laughs> <laughs> no but we I, we we promote cbds we actually had them i was okay. repping another brand at one time but then the, the uh, paypal took away my merchant account because of it so i had to take them off and we'll bring them back soon i think we're going to open up another thing but it, it, it's very important because it's like most things out there there's a lot of garbage and you have to sift through it and find the good stuff and you know our clients know that like i will not compromise because this stuff when i make it i'm using it like i'm i'm using it I have quite a supplement stack right now that I take a detox nutrition stack, but that's one of the reasons I feel so damn good all the time, right? Because mm -hmm. I, you learn something you're like, oh, I'll add that in. Oh, I feel better. I'm keeping it. Like, why would I not? Like, it makes sense. Hey, okay, so go ahead. I, I understand. Just on that point real quick, Tim, that's funny. If, if I probably take eight to 10 pills of different kinds of supplements, three or three or four times a day probably. And I have a cupboard in my kitchen that's dedicated to you. you open up the cupboard, there's three different shelves and I got all my supplements there. Right. And yeah. some people might think that's overkill, but I have the same mentality as you do. I know the exact purpose of every single thing. When I take this fish oil out, I know this omega-3 fatty acid is going to reduce inflammation in my brain. It's going to improve blood flow to my brain. It's going to improve uh, brain derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF levels. It's going to reduce inflammation in my joints. It's going to help lower my triglycerides, et cetera. So every single thing I pull out of that medicine cabinet, I know that it's going to do something healthy for my body. And I'm excited about it. I don't feel like I have to. I feel like I get to, right? right. I don't have to take all this stuff. I could throw it in the trash, but I get to because I have inside knowledge that motivates me to the point of knowing, yeah, this is going to have some real return for me. And yeah, I like and, you, and, you, and you feel good. It's not just some BS deal. So no. actually, Dr. Clement, who runs the Hippocrates Wellness Clinic in Florida, I was just back there um, right after Christmas and I went to one of his lectures and it was about supplements and exposing the supplement industry and picking good sure. ones and stuff like that. Yeah. And then one guy's like, how many supplements do you take? And he goes, I take 46 a day. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what? You know, and he's like, and I do it because I love myself, you know, and, and the reality is, is like what, what we're talking about here when we're talking about supplementation and this little micro talk here about it is that we're all we're doing is we're putting things in our body that we believe are going to get things out that shouldn't be there. 
mm-hmm. and going to put things back in that should have been there in the first place because we're not indigenous people anymore. We were all were at one point in time, but now we're in this modern, crazy world, polluted world, and we're not walking around and traveling and being nomadic and getting 300-plus food sources. It's just not happening. And we would be naturally getting all this different stuff into our body, and we'd be fine. We'd be totally fine, but we're, we're away from that. So whether you're taking five supplements or 46 or whatever, whatever works for you, it's not um, – it's an investment, right? You're, you're investing in your quality of life and most likely your longevity. It's not yeah. – because I tell people like, look, if I live another year, I just want to feel freaking damn good. I'd rather have that than to be in pain and misery and not be able to walk around and hobble around for 40 years. Like I don't want any part of that shit. Like I do not want yeah. any part of that because you think about it when you're in pain and suffering, you're not thinking about like expanding and growing in your spiritual path and, you know, helping other people. You're just like, you're in pain and you want the pain to go away. That's where you're at. And you can't really think about anything else. I do want to mention though, because he brought up a couple things, vitamin C and quercetin. Um, we actually have a product that you're going to like. We actually made it um, be- because of the whole pandemic and stuff. We have vitamin A, vitamin C, D3, zinc, quercetin, and a multi-mineral complex. We put them all in one, but we did it differently than anybody else had done. Because usually when you see vitamin C, it was from ascorbic acid, which is the synthetic version. So we actually used uh, camu camu berry in this situation, right? Mm. Um, the vitamin A was from beta carotene. That stops, that it protects the cell walls. You can also get that from green leafy vegetables to strengthen the cell walls so the virus can't get in. Vitamin C works as a shock absorber to, um, for that cytokine storm that happens from those spike proteins. And I was going to ask you that because you mentioned um, the spike proteins doing inflammation in the capillaries. You're also seeing this in the lung tissue, right? Yes, yes. Inflammation, definitely. yeah, and that cytokine storm. Then you get all this um, liquid in there as an immune response, um, which is what we think is silly to then put somebody on a ventilator and, and, and create more pressure in, a, in an area that's it's like basically like pipes. It's, it's like a... Uh, it's just engineering principles at that point. You wouldn't, it wouldn't make no sense. You're going to blow out the pipes. Um, but anyway, you should check that out, dude. Uh, VSTAC. And I, you know, what? I'll throw this out there. If like off cuff, like we should talk, I would love to do a supplement review on your supplements. We could do it. We could do it privately. We should have probably done it for the show. That'd been fun, but um, we'll do it in private. We'll go through your labels and stuff and um, I'll see what you got. And, Cause my goal here today is like having you on. I'm like, okay, this guy's really into this stuff as much as I am. Maybe there's something I can pick up that I can add to my stack, right? So that's why I'm always looking for. Um, all right. So we talked about, uh, so, so the solution is just because we're getting all over the place, but where we're talking about post-COVID um, yeah. solutions. So you said vitamin C, quercetin, NAC, and certain strains of CBDs. Anything else? Uh, and then ivermectin as a pharmaceutical okay. medication, also proven okay. to bind spike protein. So all of that is under the category of binding spike protein, therefore rendering it inert and incapable of creating those changes that we talked about. The second step, that I take with people is direct action to thin the blood. Because again, we have platelet overactivity, right? We have platelet aggregation. We need platelet thinning, which is aspirin. So either 325 or 81 milligrams, but I usually have people take a stronger uh, dose side of that. So an- aspirin is a direct antiplatelet agent. You can comment on willow bark. I know you're, you're familiar. Yeah, with we that. talked about that already. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm, I'm open to that. I don't, I don't know. I'm just more familiar with the, you know, obviously simple uh, aspirin, but then there's a supplement called natokinase that I'm a big fan of too. I'm sure you've heard of it. 
It's yeah. phenomenal. It thins the blood to a degree, but what's amazing is it also directly dissolves blood clots. This was isolated over in Japan. They've eaten a fermented soy food called natto for centuries, presumably, and they found tastes out that- ter It tastes terrible. I tried it. Never had it, yeah. But my my sister-in-law is Japanese. She loves okay. it. She's yeah. like, oh, it's so good. I'm like, let me try it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, was like I, don't, I, don't. I was like, okay, I'm going to get my fermented food somewhere else, but, but you know- but you yeah. can get it in a supplement form. So that's the way around it. Yeah, exactly. Well, natokinase is amazing. They purified and they've used it for medicinal purposes in Japan, often related to cardiovascular health. And turns out to dissolve many different types of blood clots, but including the ones that would be produced here with COVID exposure. So those are so-called microclots and natokinase is great for that. And it also directly dissolves the spike protein itself. Nice. So I'm a big fan. And, and what Dr. Turner was alluding to earlier when he mentioned aspirin, I know my listeners can probably feel when somebody says the word aspirin, they could probably feel my body going, ah, no. But um, so it's like, yeah. So he mentioned white willow bark. White willow bark is where actually aspirin is actually synthesized from. So when you go into nature, um, you know, they took white willow bark from a lab and took it into a lab, took the component out, they made aspirin with it. And Bear corporations made it a lot of money. Um, off of nature using a little component of white willow bark. So we always do that for pain. Um, I am not learned enough at this point, but I'm going to now that we brought this up because, um, and the reason why I was telling uh, Dr. Turner is like, we are looking into creating uh, an amazing formula for post-COVID people just so they can have it. And so this has already been very eye-opening for me because of the, uh, because of the blood clot thing. I, I'm like, wow. We could actually add that as a component of this thing and these synergies, not only just to clear the spike protein, but also to dissolve the clots, maybe put a little bit of that in there too. Yeah. And then I, and then I let my formulator, he puts it together because he knows all this stuff, but I have the general idea. And I'm, so now I really want to know is like, will white willow bark work? Can I use a percentage of that in there? And then along with natokinase or something else. So, yeah. All right. So we, what else, what else? Was there something else we needed to cover on that, on that point? No, no, I think that's that's the emphasis on the naturalistic side of binding the spike protein, dissolving microclots. Oh, excuse me, there'd be one third one, which is reducing inflammation, especially reducing inflammation in the brain. So again, I want you to imagine the spike protein gets loose in the blood vessels that feed the brain and the lining of those blood vessels at that particular point is called the blood brain barrier. All right. So if you've heard of the blood brain barrier, it's a one cell thick barrier function between your smallest blood uh, vessels in your brain and actual nerve tissue. You can imagine that that's high value real estate, right? You want a blood brain barrier with integrity, uh, with doing its protective function. Its job is actually to screen and keep most things from getting into your brain that would otherwise cause harm and be very selective to let certain things in, such as blood glucose molecules and certain neurochemical hormones uh, in that would have their effect. So it's very selective. Well, the problem is the spike protein gets loose causes microscopic uh, multifocal inflammation, as we mentioned, destroys the integrity of the blood-brain barrier. Now things are leaking into the brain freely that don't belong, thus provoking more of an immune response. And this is where most people's headaches, brain fog, et cetera, is coming from. Their brain essentially is an in, in an inflamed and pro-oxidative state. And we have to calm that down. And that can be done with certain favorite natural remedies of mine. My overall favorite is omega-3 fatty acids, aka yeah. fish oil. DHA, EPA, as you know, I start people on three or 4,000 milligrams of a high quality fish oil. Uh, I'm also a big fan of resveratrol, reduces inflammation in the brain, also mm -hmm. improves blood uh, flow to the brain. I'm a big fan of melatonin, some supplemental melatonin, 
Um, most people have heard of melatonin. Not everybody understands that it, it's a hormone, first of all. Um, although you can buy it over the counter like a vitamin or something, it's actually a hormone. It's released uh, by the pineal gland in your brain. But besides helping you sleep more soundly, it has direct health promoting benefits. So if you, it has strong anti-cancer benefits, for example. So if your listeners just look up melatonin and cancer, you'll find that there's a ton of research about how it's helpful against cancer. Well, it's also a, an antioxidant and an anti-inflammatory that can cross the blood-brain barrier freely. And that is important. So I give people some supplemental doses of melatonin if they're struggling with their brain fog. Um, NAC is another one of my natural favorites for reducing brain inflammation and oxidative stress. N-acetylcysteine is an amino acid it, it's a precursor. It boosts glutathione levels in uh, very quick chemical reactions. And glutathione is one of the main intracellular antioxidant systems in your body, arguably the most important one. So you want to boost brain levels of glutathione and NAC can do that reliably. You might ask, why not just take glutathione? And the, or the problem is that glutathione is typically poorly absorbed. It's broken down by the GI tract. So there've been these attempts in the supplement field to try to come around, come around that with you know, nasal sprays or special emulsifiers or such, but the simpler and much less expensive option for people is to simply take NAC. We know from a re the research, it will boost glutathione levels in the brain. Cool. Well, that opens up a little can of worms and we'll finish in this section, but, um, you know, you were talking about the brain leaking. It's like, we have leaky gut. Now I'm thinking, okay, now we got leaky brain. <laughs> same, same exact idea. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. In the case of leaky gut, you've got some offending allergen, some offending food allergen. Typically it's triggering immune response in your, in your gut. You get breakdown of that lining, you get a leaky gut and things move in to your well, blood. That should not be. And the same thing is happening here. It's just the spike proteins, the offending agent damaging the lining of the blood brain barrier leakage. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, you know, just so people know that I hold true to my stuff is that he mentioned getting a good omega-3 and he's using fish oil and that's fine. I don't, that's not my thing. So we um, actually had Udo Erasmus on from those Udo's ascent, those oils. Um, and I like his three, six, nine blend. I've been using it ever since. I also use red raspberry seed extract oil from Meta Organics uh, brand. Those are some high quality omegas. I also do flax seed water. I make my own flax water. And for those of you listening, if you haven't gotten our core four secrets manual yet, that just brings it up because the, the recipe for that, it's the, it's, here's the, one of the, um, one of the recipes in there is how to make flax water. It's very inexpensive. It's unbelievable to help you start healing your gastrointestinal tract. It's very calming and it's full of omegas. Chia seeds are also really good. They are an amazing, amazing food. And when you sprout them, you add water to them, they, they have all these uh, fantastic omega profiles and stuff like that as well, not to mention just being a complete food. They're amazing. So flax seed water, chia seeds, red raspberry seed extract oil, and, um, and Udo's 369 blend. Those are some options for you guys that are looking for a plant-based version of getting your omega oils in. Um, and it just, like I said, it's just, it's just kind of important because we're, what Michael and I are doing, we're replacing what we should normally be getting in nature, but we live in the modern world today. Okay. So we covered that. And, um, I think that was it as far as inflammation goes too, as blood brain barrier, uh, I'll just share this with you, Michael. So we have a product, um, years ago, a couple of two, three years ago, I was going to get a turmeric product and I was reading a study where it showed like there were 63 people and they were able to take the curcuminoids, the, the active ingredient that's anti-inflammatory in, mm -hmm. in the turmeric root. And they were able to make the particle size very tiny. Mm -hmm. and and mechanically 
just think think of it kind of like nano okay very small at that right. level and um and they gave it to people and they noticed big time results and it was much better than taking an orally michael alluded to this earlier is like when you take glutathione like through the digestive tract very little is going to get through there and just the way it is in most cases because maybe 10 to 30 percent of whatever you take is going to actually make it into the bloodstream but get into the cell to actually get in the cell floating around in the bloodstream doesn't count it has to get into the cell and so i'm looking at this then they took these microscopic particles of curcuminoids and they suspended them in a liquid dude it was 185 fold the anti-inflammatory action of taking it orally consuming it through the gut now, still to this day, I will juice turmeric. I will, I will take it that way because it's natural, and I think there's just some pathways, and it's I, I do that kind of stuff. But we, we, I called my formula. I'm like, dude, look at this article. Like, this is like a breakthrough. And and he's like, oh my god. He's like, yeah. I, I, can we do this? He's like, yeah, but we have to buy this very expensive machine. So we saved up, we bought it, and it was the first of our adaptogens. So we have these products now. We have three of them. These three, these three tinctures that have been through this proprietary cellular absorption system so basically we take the particles we make them really tiny we suspend them in a liquid and we have that and it's called turmeric 100 it's 185 fold more anti-inflammatory actually have functional medicine clinics that are using it as their go-to for anti-inflammatories mm -hmm. the only downside of it is that um if you drop it on your shirt your shirt is stained permanently <laughs> that's it i mean <laughs> Turmeric stains regardless, but this stuff is so concentrated and so small in particle size. You're, I, uh, one guy said, uh, he sent me a picture. It was funny. He's like, um, note to self, if you're a drooler, don't take turmeric 100 before you go to bed. And he showed a picture of his sheets. It looked like they were tie-dyed in orange. Like it was just like all over the place. And we were laughing about it. He says, I don't care because I feel so good because my inflammation's down. Now, what I will say this is that, you know, Taking turmeric 100 to reduce your pain and your you know back pain, joint pain, headaches, and stuff like that, because it can go through the blood-brain barrier, is great. It's fantastic. But we cannot just throw a really good solution at inflammation and not pay attention to why was inflammation in there in the first place. There needs to be some changes. And maybe it was just a short-term thing. Maybe you got a spike protein deal, and that's what caused it. But if there's something in your lifestyle, whether it's Wi-Fi, or if you're, it's in synthetic clothing, or it's your lifestyle, something that you're eating that was causing that inflammation, we have to take a look at that because we have to get to the root of the cause, right? This can help you feel much better and maybe even help help you get to the root and be part of that root solution. But I, when we're talking about inflammation, we always have to look at the root cause, not just having these great things that work to knock it back, but it's always kind of looming there. And you always have to take this stuff because, right? So that's kind of why I think about that kind of stuff. All right, yeah. man. So we went a little longer on this segment. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to get back into um, what Michael's been doing for anti-aging solutions, which I'm really excited to hear about. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross. But worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I am back with Dr. Michael Turner. 
we have talked about his past and his his um, super healthy mom that got him on the right path. Thank God. And uh, and then we talked about post COVID solutions, all this long haul stuff. And we were talking about uh, just to remind you guys how to bind and clear these spike proteins and then how to get rid of the uh, blood clotting stuff and some natural and some pharmaceutical so solutions that have been working for a long time. Cause like ivermectin has been around a long, long time. I mean, you know how many years that's been around? Since the eighties actually. And to your point, ivermectin is a natural compound, by the way, it was discovered in the soil of a golf course in Japan. Yep. And some microbiologists were out doing soil research. They were digging around. And to date, this is the only place that's been isolated in nature in the world is this one golf course area soil sample. And it was something that the bacteria in the soil were producing that when they studied it turned out to have profound anti-parasitic activity. And so it was marketed initially as an anti-parasite, initially in the veterinary world. Yeah, and horses. Yeah, right. Livestock of all kinds. And in many cases, you could say that it, it essentially boosted world food supply because it kept livestock and you know food animals from dying from parasitic diseases or from being underweight up to that point. And it came out and it sort of revolutionized you know, food production uh, in that realm in the 80s. It was veterinary. And then they did some more research on it towards the late 80s, figured out that it was helpful in certain sorts of tropical parasitic uh, diseases, especially in Africa. It became a human med typically used for those purposes, but research continued on it. And here's what's interesting, Tim. Ivermectin, as I said, it's a natural compound. It does whatever it does. We don't like. We don't even know necessarily. Let's keep studying it and finding out, right? <laughs> Merck did not invent this thing. You know, God invented this thing, and it's there. So we should try to maximize and figure out what it does. And the more we look at it, the more we find out that it does. So it turns out to have some anti-cancer properties that are currently under investigation. It's got antiviral properties not only against COVID but against dengue, against uh, 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 HIV. Ebola? I'm not mistaken. Perhaps Ebola. I can't quite remember that one. Um, it's got strong anti-inflammatory properties. So I have patients sometimes taking it to prevent or treat their COVID and they say, my hip arthritis feels better. My knee arthritis feels better. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And there's even, uh, some data about how it helps with mitochondrial function and oxygenation in the mitochondria. So basically they looked at heart muscle cells and the heart muscle cells could hold on to a greater concentration of oxygen, uh, longer when there was ivermectin around. So Interesting. Yeah, we talk uh, like Pat Militich. She's our big proponent for it. We have a, a special fulvic humic product called Super Soldier. And um, actually, we just had this. He put, he's put me on the phone this week with a guy that said we we already kind of knew this, but that we have like the most powerful fulvic humic on the planet. We found this 60,000 year old peat bog that where the stuff is still organic. There's mm -hmm. like thousands, there's thousands and thousands of organic plant matter that's decomposed, but it's it's young enough that it hasn't fossilized yet. So it's still an organic compound. And it's this just amazing fulvic humics. And Pat's always talking about how it increases mitochondrial function. Mm -hmm. Pretty amazing stuff. And he actually mentioned, because my mom with the heart stuff going on, that yeah. I should add that to her mix. Because he said he's seen a lot of people that had high blood pressure and you know and that kind of stuff that have remedied it with, with the fulvic humic. Sure. All right. So let's get into well, your solution. Oh, did you want to say something? Well, we can jump right into the solutions on that point. Yeah, right? let's do it. Yeah, if I work with a patient towards anti-aging, one of the first things I talk about is their mitochondrial function aka optimizing their mitochondrial health and how do we do that so there's a whole regimen that we go through a lot of things we talk about but i can hit a couple high points um, and first of all it has to do with your diet first off so a low carb diet promotes mitochondrial health as well as intermittent fasting 
So when patients do that right away, their mitochondrial function perks up. And by the way, the mitochondria are present in every cell in differing concentrations, uh, more so in energy intensive organs like your brain or your skeletal muscle, et cetera. But the idea of improving mitochondrial function can be considered a core, absolutely essential foundational health and wellness concept. Because if you improve mitochondrial function, it affects every cell in every organ system. Your brain has more energy on a cognitive level. Your heart has more energy to beat better. Your skeletal muscle has more energy to lift muscle, right? Your kidneys have more energy to filter the blood. Everything, it's like taking the dimmer switch on energy and just flicking it up all the way to the top when you improve people's mitochondrial function. So it's pervasive. And that's why it's a, it's a fantastic root cause anti-aging concept. So on the lifestyle side, we talk about low carb, we talk about intermittent fasting. We could go into that a little bit more. Let's um, just talk about that for just a second, yeah. because we want to be clear. My listeners are pretty up to speed on a lot of this stuff. But when he says yeah. low carb, I have to clarify, he's talking about low on the crappy carbs, the processed carbs. We're not talking about having raw spinach or, you know, having a having a yam, something like that. Right. So can you just want to clarify that real quick. Is that true? Is that how you. Yes, Tim, I agree largely with what you're saying. I'm talking about the so-called simple carbs, crummy carbs like chips, crackers, uh, you know, processed cereals, things like that. I'm not talking about your oatmeal, you know, your hearty breads or carbs that you're going to get from a salad, something like that. No, crappy that's... carbs. Okay, got it. We yeah. just invented a term, crappy carbs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The problem with those, yeah, they, they convert quickly over to blood sugar, cause the blood sugar spikes. And it yes, absolutely. So, okay. So number one's mitochondrial function. What's number two? Number two, I would say would be reducing inflammation in your body. So there are a number of ways to do that. There are anti-inflammatory supplements. We talked about a little bit earlier, fish oil, resveratrol are a couple of my favorites, NAC. Um, there's a whole idea of an anti-inflammatory diet, which saturated fats, by the way, are pro-inflammatory. Saturated fats are pro-inflammatory. So people have to watch that a little bit. I'm an advocate of mainly a plant-based diet. I eat rarely meat. And if it is, it's lean. You know, some people are very into carnivore because, you know, this is also low carb and they feel good and they lose weight. But the problem is if you just take the lid off on your saturated fat, saturated fat drives LDL levels. Now we can debate what that means exactly, but it's not a good thing. That's for sure. And furthermore, saturated fat is pro-inflammatory and saturated fat produces unhealthy changes in the gut microbiome. And you can research that. It changes the microbiome from, uh, you know, percentages of species that we'd like to see there down towards a more unhealthy profile. I'm not an expert in that, but I know that that's true. You know, last time I was reading and, and learning about that. Can so, you give an examples of like common foods that have high saturated fats and that you would avoid? Sure. So I think about greasy meats. So hamburger, that's not lean, the fat on the edge of the steak, bacon, you know, bologna, salami, pepperoni, right? If so so what, 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 if you guys noticed what he was talking about there, all those are certain types of fats that have been cooked. They have all been cooked, which makes, I mean, right there, you're, this is causing, we, we talked about this in that episode with Udo, whereas like when you heat oils, they turn into lipid peroxides at a certain temperature and become known carcinogens. They cause cancer in humans. And you're denaturing them. You're killing all of the life force and all, most of the good that could happen from them. So that's why you want to have oils that have been processed properly or fresh, right? That's why we're eating avocados, red raspberry seed extract oil. I mean, you get people don't realize like sprouted nuts are great sources of, of you know, high quality oils to get in the body. Chia seeds. We talked about those earlier, flax water and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So yep. anti-aging protocols, mito increasing mitochondrial function. Yeah. Um, Number reducing two. inflammation in the body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Um, I would say sleep, optimizing your sleep. Poor sleep is a pro-aging concept. Another way of saying that is that when you get crummy sleep, your ox oxidative stress in your body, especially in your brain, rises immediately. People ask sometimes, what's the idea of oxidative stress? I give them an example, rust, okay? A piece of metal that's sitting outside and rusting, that's oxidative stress. It's basically the oxygen in the environment breaking down the chemical structure of that piece of metal. If you cut an apple and leave it in the kitchen, it turns brown, that's oxidative stress. Oxygen in the environment reacted with start breaking down the structure of that apple. You can imagine you don't want that happening in sensitive tissues in your body. When you, if you ever get drunk and you have a hangover, that's oxidative stress. The alcohol gets loose in your brain, starts chemically reacting, and your, your brain is under a huge amount of oxidative stress that next morning. So a lack of sleep is an equivalent oxidative stressing concept as let's say too many drinks the night before. You're going to wake up foggy headed, not feeling crisp, sharp, et cetera. Um, and there's a combo there because if you're drinking, your sleep's going to suck. So you're getting double correct. oxidative stress. Correct. Right. So the more we learn about sleep, the more absolutely vital we realize that it is. Um, also with hormonal cycling, and sometimes people don't quite understand how important this is. We talked about testosterone earlier. Testosterone production kicks in in the middle of the night, peaks first thing in the morning, which is why guys, if they have healthy testosterone levels, should typically wake up with an erection. If you get crummy sleep, that cycling process really never happens, and your jump-off point the next morning is much lower as far as an average testosterone level would be much, much lower. Same thing with growth hormone. Growth hormone is released naturally at night, but only during the deepest stages of sleep. What if you're never getting to that deepest stage of sleep? The answer is you're getting minimal to no growth hormone release. Who cares about that? Well, growth hormone has some tremendous anti-aging properties. It's good for the nerve. It's good for brains. It repairs tendons, ligaments. It promotes muscle synthesis and it promotes fat loss. So quality deep sleep is the same thing as better uh, growth hormone release, which will add up night after night after night. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I tell, we're totally big on sleep over here because the way I looked at it is like, well, without error, you're dead in four to seven minutes. So oxygen's pretty important because uh, you die quickest without that. Number two, it was a tie between water and sleep because both of them you're dead in 11 days without it. So water and sleep are huge. Mm -hmm. Right. And I actually, we did an episode. It was like, it was episode 72 with Jason Payne, getting mm -hmm. the best sleep of your life. Nice. Getting the best nice. sleep of your life. I, I, dude, I, I did a deep dive because this was a, this was a big purchase for me. Like I was like, I'm going to buy the most badass bed on the planet. And then I'm going to tell people about it. And so I did all this research. I checked into other institutes, other people like yourself that are packing stuff. And, and, um, I was ready to make my decision. It was a king size bed. It was $13,800, which is way more than I was even thinking I was ever going to pay on a bed. But I love myself. and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to invest in me because I'm sleeping every night, right? This is a big deal. It's the environment. I was trying to create the most optimal environment. And I went on Ashley James's show uh, podcast and she's like, afterwards, I was like, oh yeah. I'm, she's like, what's new? And I'm like, well, I'm going to get a new bed. And she's like, well, what kind of bed? And I was like, she's like, oh my God. You've got to talk to this guy first, just in case. And like, it's the best bed in my life, best sleep. She went, she was like really excited about it. And I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I ended up going with that, that bed. Mm -hmm. And we, we covered every, we covered other stuff there too, I believe, but we covered that bed in detail and why. And, and like, 
it's so important to me that when I actually I'm living in a trailer right now as I'm building uh, a living area and stuff like that. I bought my mom and dad's farm and I bought a king mattress for like fifty five hundred bucks. Mm. So I saved myself like eight grand and the technology is better. It's way better because I've slept on both of those mattresses. I slept on the, th the thirteen thousand eight hundred dollar one for two weeks. It's not as good as this one. Not it's not. It's just not. It's not. It's not for many. The spinal support, the 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 way it can. Like it, the, there's a layer on it that they actually they use for paraplegics and people that are bedridden. <laughs> and um, it's a technology that was uh, can't remember the name of the company, but it's licensed to Jansport and Dr. Scholl. So Jansport puts it in their backpack straps so that it relieves pressure <laughs> and just distributes it. And then they also it also does that in the foot pads. Well, they got the technology license. They put a layer of it on top of the bed. And it's the same technology the hospitals are doing. So. I don't know if you saw those beds. It's called. It's called. It's a. Um, uh, if I can remember the name of this, it's a. It's called a gel matrix, and they were like fourteen thousand dollars for one to fit on a hospital bed. Yeah, just that thing. Did you see those pads when you were working at the hospital? Um. Yes, I did. I, I wasn't aware of the cost exactly, but yeah, special padding to help reduce wounds and pressure sores, things like pressure that. points. Yeah, so it completely disperses that because when you're sleeping at night, if there's a pressure point where there's something pushing on tissue mm -hmm. the tissue's dying like it's mm -hmm. so your body it wakes you up so you shift right so sure. you can get more blood flow so sure. anyway they put that in there so I, I i really agree with you that sleep is important if you guys want to check that out because i haven't promoted it in a long time but health hero show number 72 optimizing your sleep with with, with um with mr Payne, uh jason Payne. all right so for anti-aging protocols um mitochondria boosting mitochondria function Yes. Uh, number two was reducing inflammation. And number three was optimizing your sleep. And those are the three things, or is there anything else that you work on with your clients? There are a couple other ones that we work on uh, to hit the high points here. So exercise, absolutely vital. The number one interve anti-aging intervention, if, if you just had to pick one thing, right? Would it be, you know, fish oil? Would it be amazing sleep every night? Would it be, you know, blueberry and kale smoothies every morning? If I had to just pick one thing for somebody to be well from anti-aging viewpoint to have the most return investment, it's exercise, actually consistent exercise because of all of the things that it does healthy. Now, we know that the average person will think, of course, exercise is good for me. I get it. My muscles are stronger, my heart, my lungs, right? But there, are, it's, it's more than that. And it's some things that might not be top of mind for people. So that's why I like to explain and encourage them. So for example, when you exercise, you get deeper sleep. Okay. That night you will sleep more soundly if you've exercised that day. So now we've got the deep sleep wrapped up already in that exercise actually reduces inflammation in the body on balance. You're going to work out hard. You might be sore for a minute, right? But in the overall scheme, your average levels, you're going to be lower. It's a pro uh, inflammatory reduction concept. Um, obviously muscle health, bone health, it's great for your brain. Exercise is the single most important thing you can do for your brain as well. It boosts blood flow to your brain. Here's what's fascinating, Tim. You can do exercise and your cognition goes up in the immediate aftermath. They've done these tests many, many times. They'll take someone, a group of people, and they'll show you 20 random names and faces. Okay. And half the people go sit in a chair and just stare out the window. And half the people ride an exercise bike at a mild or moderate pace for 20 minutes. Then they come back and they quiz people. Guess who was more sharp? The people who rode the exercise bike. They've done this study in many variations, but you have an immediate IQ boost in the several hours after exercise. And they started to look at why. And part of it is improving blood flow to the brain. Again, I use the idea of a dimmer switch. Your brain's just going to function better if you're having every bit of blood flow that it needs. <clears throat> but beyond that, 
exercise directly stimulates something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. BDNF, and that's amazing. It plumps up the neural connections in areas of cognition, memory, and exercise directly causes a surge of BDNF through your body. <clears throat> so tremendous for the brain. Okay, and what was the, was there one more after exercise? Um, the last one for exercise would be DNA repair. So the idea of boosting DNA repair and avoiding things that would damage DNA repair. This is a complex topic, but it essentially gets into cancer or early degradation of cell function. So your cell has the DNA inside, which are the operating instructions. If any new part of the cell needs to be made, it references the DNA as the copy uh, essentially of how to do that. And I tell patients, think of it like a, a combination of a scanner at Walmart and a 3D printer. So your cell opens up your DNA, it takes the scanner, it finds the section that describes what it needs to make protein X. It scans the section about how to build protein X, and then it prints it on demand and it sends protein X uh, out for service. If your DNA is damaged, your cell, when it opens it up, now cannot scan or create that protein appropriately, or if it does, it's misfolded, it's misaligned, and it doesn't function well. So DNA damage immediately begins to degrade any given cell function that would be involved. But moreover, DNA damage can accumulate and, and trigger the cell to begin to grow out of control, aka a cancer cell. So DNA repair is a big concept. There, there are different ideas about that, but to hit you guys with two that I really like. So sauna or any kind of heat stress similar to sitting in a sauna boosts, promotes activity of something called the FOXO genes. It's a family of genes, F-O-X-O, and those are directly involved in DNA repair, okay? The other thing uh, is a supplement, quercetin. We talked about it. Turns out to boost FOXO gene activity, and FOXO genes are responsible for DNA repair and some other really healthy cellular functions. So those are two of my favorite suggestions. There are a couple other ideas, but I like to start with those. Well, that's cool because I'm a huge proponent of far infrared saunas. I've been uh, recommend mm -hmm. using them and then for years, and then I got into selling them, and then and then we we had a breakthrough in 2021 when we we have a very special sauna. It's actually episode 61 of my show. I went and interviewed the owner, and I've actually got him tomorrow. He's coming back on to do a re. We're gonna and re-interview him again and kind of go up the updates because I've had amazing, amazing detoxification things happening for me personally with that sauna. We found a sauna that actually broke a natural law. So Planck's law has been broken. There is no other sauna on the planet that can do this. And so um, saunas in general will raise your core temperature like a degree to a degree and a half. The sauna in 25 minutes can raise your core temperature 3.2 degrees. Mm -hmm. There is mm -hmm. no other sauna that can do that. In an hour, 4.2 like tremendous, oh. tremendous benefits. And um, so I have to check that out because I'm looking for, I've, I've picked up a couple things that um, um, from you today, my friend, that um, I'm definitely going to look into. And then um, I know I got stuff I can share with you too. So we just found out that, um, you know, Michael's actually not that far from me. You're probably an hour and a half drive yeah. from, from my home here in Eastern Oregon. He's over in Richland, Washington. That's where his practice is. So um yeah, that'll be cool. Maybe I'll go over there and uh, do you have a good massage therapist? Maybe I'll book a massage over there and go get a massage and hang out with you or something. Oh yeah, I can set you up. Absolutely. I'm uh, yeah, I'm going to make sure you have my cell phone, my personal email and we can be in touch. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, it's really good to meet you, man. And I like, it's cool to meet somebody that's kind of in this area too, because I have people and it's like, they want to get help. And like, now I've got somebody that's fairly close that I could like send them to. They don't have to go 
a long, long ways away. And I was going to ask you, is there any colon hydrotherapy centers in Tri-Cities? I haven't looked it up yet, but I don't know if you knew about that. One or two last time I checked, which was a couple of years ago, but one or two. So, Oh, sweet. Sweet. That's a little bit closer drive for me than going to Portland, even though I go down there to see my kids. So Michael, yeah. thank you so much uh, for coming on here today. Do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom for the listeners? Well, just a note of optimism, encouragement, you know, there's so much that we can do on a daily basis to promote our health and wellness, whether sleep or take a supplement, you don't have to do everything at once, just pick one or two things. And you know what, if you miss a day, like you intended to exercise, and you didn't get to it, don't worry, you know, it's the pattern overall, right? Like pick yourself up the next day, get back on the train, you know, it's going to add up, it's going to stack up, you're going to feel better. All right, health heroes, you heard it from Dr. Turner. Great, great information, brother. Great message. And um, again, I want to thank everybody around the world for tuning in, liking and subscribing and sharing. Um, we really appreciate you guys doing that. We are part of a working class movement that's happening um, in the world today. Working class people are the decent people that are out there that literally at some level can't believe what's going on. So they can't imagine what other people are, are, are doing or planning. But the bottom line is, is that the solutions are always going inside uh, literally, and, and, and getting these man-made toxins out of the body, out of the cells, flooding the body with nutrition, and having daily practices to reduce your stress, whether that's prayer, where you're chatting, where you're, you're talking to God, or you're doing meditation, and you're listening to God, whatever you're doing out there, um, these things are the things that are, that are natural, they're right, they work, and that's what we're, we're all about. We really want you guys to learn to become your own doctors, learn how to self-heal, and be a shining example. Be that light to yourself, your family, your friends, and your community. Till next time, change yourself, change your world, and I'll see you guys again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>